So what it is guys, your boy out I'm from Alanite and today we got football, bro. We got the Euros, we got Copa America. It's gonna be fire, bro. It's gonna be fire now. We'll start with the Euros. Two semi-finals, the final, thoughts on the Euros, and then the you know, Copa America final, and then my thoughts on Copa America. Right, let's get started, bro. Let's get started. First semi-final, Italy versus Spain. It was a good game in Wembley. Though there, 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 though there was no goals first half, you could see the opportunities each team had in the 60-minute roll off a counter. Donnarumma, he rolls it to Barrella, who passes it to Insigne, to Immobile. Laporte blocks it, but then Chiesa finishes it off, and it's 1-0 for Italy, right? Italy got too confident in the second half, and of all people, Morata finished a left a smooth left foot, bro, to tie it 1 1. Extra time, they both played for penalties. Locatelli misses the first one, Omo then missed. Both teams then make into Morata after looking like the hero, goes back to his ways and goes to zero. Rama saves it, and Jorginho finishes off for Italy. Right, Mancini and Luis Enrique both went with a 4 3 3. However, Spain was the one that dominated position with the 70% to Italy 30% with 16 total shots, five on target. This is what Spain has been doing all Euro long, right? They are not clinical. They have the ball all the time. They create, but they can't finish. And that saved Italy a lot in this game. But I've seen that this Italian team can play the possession game but also they can defend and counter at a high level, which is where their first, game, first goal came from. Uh, Di Lorenzo, bro, he impressed me today, Giovanni, right? Great defense, did everything right, produced when attacking, and it was a great performance by him. Smart IQ and all his decision-making, it was great. Said it was, a lot of people said it was going to be a game dictated by the midfield, and it was, bro. Spain's midfield was all over the place. Especially with an extra midfielder as Dani Almo played a false nine. So he was deeper into the midfield. Busquets looking like a prime Barca days back in his Barca days. Coque being box to box. And Pedri at first didn't really impress me the first half. But in the second half, he got it going and started looking like the Pedri who played in the games in this tournament. All right, they outplayed Verratti, Jorginho, and Nicolo Barrella, but Los Italianos persisted, persisted and advanced. Second semifinal, England versus Denmark, all right. A young kid, Mikael Damsgaard, got it started with his impressive free kick. Raheem then tied, and it went to extra time, where Raheem was fouled, quotation marks. Kane steps it up, misses, he gets another chance at the rebound. He scores it, and England go through. Denmark were robbed. I don't, get, I don't care what nobody said, bro. Denmark robbed. Never was a pen. It never was a pen. Were England better in the day? Probably, but they don't. No, bro, but like, that's not right, okay? If they don't get that penalty, we don't know what happens, all right? Maybe they could go to extra, they, maybe they could 
Denmark could score one or England loses in penalties. You already know England's record in penalties. They are not good in penalties when it comes to major tournaments. They always choke. You know, right here, foreshadowing. But, all right, to me, there's no contact in some angles. It even looks like Raheem made contact with the defender. Not a pen. All right, shouldn't have been awarded. And Denmark robbed. Denmark robbed, bro. Not a penalty. No, no penalty. But this resulted in Italy versus England final. And the final started off quick as Luke Shaw put one past Donnarumma at the second minute. The Italians kept possession, tried to break England's back five. Bonucci finally did at the 67th minute, scored a, on a rebound, and goes into extra time, which leads to a penalty shootout. Andrea Belotti and Jorginho missed for Italy. Rashford, Sancho, and Sanka missed for England. Though Donnarumma saved two of them. He saved Sancho's and Sanka's, and, and props to Donnarumma, bro. Goalkeeper of the tournament. He was even awarded player of the tournament. And he's and he's a goalkeeper. Right, so it's very hard to do. And he's only like 20. He's 22. 22. And I think that all comes with the experience of him playing like for Milan. Like when he was like 18. He's already in the senior set. He was already playing in City Asso. Now experience that comes in. And you know he saved both of them as it came. As finally Euro came to Rome instead of home. So, Robert Mancini went with his 4-3-3, and Southgate went with a 3-4-3 with a back five. As soon as England scored at the second minute with Luke Shaw's goal, I said, they're going to park the bus. They're going to go all defensive. They're going to go deep, deep, and even deeper. And that's exactly what they did. So, Italy governed the possession and tried every way to crack the back five, bro. Difficult 11 players being behind the ball. So, they went into penalties. I, I blame Southgate for the penalties, bro. First, about Sancho and Rashford, right? If you were planning to put them on, why are you putting, on them, why are you putting them on so late, I. They have not played starter minutes the whole tournament. And in the finals, when you decide to put them in to score crucial penalties. He puts them in the last two minutes of the game. Okay. Like, that's that's just bad decision making. They are, they are rusty. They're cold. Okay. They, how, are they, how are you just, how are they not going to play for like 118 minutes? And then you put them on the last two. And like, all right, guys, now go score these penalties. Like, nah, it just that's just not how it works. And he should know that being a former player and then being a manager. Like, I don't I don't know where that came out. That's error one. Error two is why is 19-year-old Bukio Saka taking the fifth kick, the fifth penalty kick? Like, I feel bad for him. I don't even blame Saka. Right? Obviously, it's his fault that he missed it. But you're the manager, Southgate. Okay, don't put a spot for him. Don't put him in this in this situation where it's the final. He's young, but there's a million things going through his head. He's taking the fifth one. It's one of the like, most important ones is to win or lose. And you put him in that situation, bro. Like, it's, I don't know. Okay, I don't see the competency. Right? I, don't, I don't see the logic. But that's, that's Southgate's decision. I criticize him. 
for that. And I think the t- decisions like this is why England's penalty curse hasn't been lifted. Okay? And their fans being obnoxious as well has to do has to do in part of that because oh my god, it's this whole tournament they're saying it's coming home and it just didn't work. And then and then these three players miss the the penalties and now they're just getting racially abused. Like, bro, do something else, bro. That's all you got. You can't just be like, bro, you made miss. Like, wow. No, they got to bring up the race. But in other situations, they'd be like, oh, let's do nothing with race. But now they bring up race. Like, this actually has to do nothing with race. But they got to bring that up. Like, oh, my God. Especially to Rashford and his mural. And they put, I don't know, I forgot what they were putting in his mural saying that he sucks and, and but more extravagant things i'm not gonna say that extravagant things so you're just gonna forget all that you know you're just gonna forget all the things he did uh socially social wise about giving uh food to to the to the kids over there in england but nah since since he missed a penalty in a football game the guy's an asshole now like just this again comes to my last episode when we're talking about that that this is football guys all right, we love football. Football is the greatest sport ever, but it's a sport. It's a game. It's not bigger than life. It's not bigger than people. It's it's not. Okay, it's just not. But let's go back to the football, right? With their fans being obnoxious. But the Asuri were just better in this game. Their passion paid off the whole tournament as they are now champions of Europe. All right, so thoughts on there, the final thoughts on my Euro, right? Pretty good tournament, even with this pandemic. You know, there's still a lot of fans in the stands, even though they have like, there's only like six venues or something. And then Wembley was like the last one. That one like hosted like the last four games. So that's what I think. I was kind of not cheating, but it's kind of suspicious, huh? Looks like they wanted England to win, but then no, no, I ain't, ain't going to talk about that. But the teams. That surprised me in this Euro were Italy, all right? And because I didn't expect them to be... I, I mean, I did expect them to be good, but not great. And they were great this tournament, you know. I'm pretty sure you've heard it all over the place. Mancini grow to create, uh, has created a great atmosphere. All the players buy in. They all got passion. They all work hard. They're all trying to win. I'm pretty sure you've heard that, like thousand times and you know people put them as their dark horse i didn't that's why i say they're my surprise because i wouldn't put on my dark horse i thought they're probably just gonna make it to round of 16 and no day but nah they got a great squad and they won the whole thing so props to the ass switzerland is also a team that impressed me because bro they beat france okay and we're gonna get more in detail with that but beat france it was a great game a choke job by france and more detail, but the Swiss just persisted in that game and they never gave up. 3-1 down. They just kept going and kept crawling and they got the win. All right. Denmark was also a team that surprised me. A lot of quality in that team. Uh, where they had a Mjolberg, Aaron Dres Christensen was there, Polson was there, um uh, Damsburg was coming out. Like these are good players. And obviously Christian Eriksen, and that's what we're going to talk about right now. That's a transition, right? Even with Eriksen's unfortunate accident, you would think they have no emotional 
support, no emotional balance to to go into the next uh, stages of the tournament. But it fueled them, right? Like all team, like all well teams should be. It fueled them all the way to the semis, which is impressive. All right, Spain also impressed me with new faces in their squad. They made it to the semis. Pedri looking like Iniesta. This tournament, it was great, you know. And I thought they were gonna fail because Enrique didn't choose Ramos, the captain, the leader, the goat of center backs. Okay, grace this generation. So I thought they were probably gonna fail or just, you know, just not really have a very good tournament. But they did. Okay. So gotta give them some props on that. And what, who was another player, bro, that really got me for Spain? Okay. I mean, the back line. Laporte, there you go. Laporte did pretty good. You know, he didn't do like, oh, my God, best defender in this competition. But he was stable. He was competent. I actually was rooting for him because he's good enough to be in the France squad. And uh, Didier never chose him. So I'm happy for him that he finally has a national. Speaking of DDA Deschamps, though, his team is one of the teams and players that disappointed me of the tournament, right? And with France, it was all of Group F except for Hungary, all right? Because France, they were out of the round of 16. The group matches they played were mid, they only won one, and other against Germany. Right? Overconfident, they didn't rely on the team, but they rather did. On individual talent, all right? Mbappe, he had zero goals in four games. That cannot happen for a team like this. Now, Pogba showed up. I give him a lot of credit. He showed up big time in all the games. He was the midfield maestro, but the rest of the team was looking like they, they just focused on individual talent. They were overconfident. Like I said, they were just like, you know what, bro? We're France. We could let this happen, and we're just, we're just going to turn it on. We're going to keep going. And that obviously backfired on them against Switzerland. Because you've seen, they were doing horrible against Switzerland. And then all of a sudden, they turned it on. And then it's 3-1. And then all of a sudden, they, they flame out. And they come back. And they just think, oh, it's Switzerland. You know, whatever. And then Switzerland just comes back, roars back. And they go through. So that was a big mistake for France. My fave European team, bro, Deutschland, Germany. They played mediocre in the group stage games, and they were out in the round of 16 versus England. They could have attacked way better in that game, all right, versus England's defense. Mueller's big mischance was horrible to see. They could have played way better, but excited to see Hansi Flick with this squad. I think it could rejuvenate them and improve them. Significantly better than Joachim Lowe. Portugal, also the team that disappointed from Group F. Specifically, Bruno. Bruno Fernandes and uh, Fernando Santos, the coach. Bruno couldn't fit in any of the lineups. I don't know why. He just disappeared during the games. He didn't know where to find him. And with this lineup of players, Santos should do a way better job and figuring out where to put Bruno, figuring out where to put these players so the team could balance out and be way better. But he couldn't do that for I don't know what reason. But it just didn't work out in his favor. He just couldn't find the right pieces. 
You gotta blame him for that, bro. You had a year. Come on. But that was, you know, the Euro. It was a pretty good tournament, like I said. Let's wait for Euro 2024. Let's go for that one. Let's see how that one goes out. Copa. Moving now to Copa America. The final. All right, with Argentina versus Brazil. Classic rivalry at the Maracanã. The Ivies Celeste were underdogs. All right, they've never won in Brazilian soil. I think in the major tournaments only, but that's still pretty big. However, Di Maria changed that with his chip goal at the 22, which won them the game. All right, Messi had a chance near uh, the end, but I don't know. I guess he just messed up on the control and he missed the opportunity. But Messi, Lionel Messi, La Pulga, finally won his international trophy. First one. And it means everything to him, bro. Look what happens when the ref blows the final whistle like seconds before. Okay, because seconds before he blows the whistle, he does this body throwing tackle. Oh, yeah, he both of his feet on the ground. He's trying to get the ball. And when he's when he's getting up from that tackle, the ref blows and he literally goes back into his knees, man. Goes on his knees and the body language is screaming to me, finally, finally, those knees, Messi's knees were telling me I suffered three straight final defeats. World Cup 2014, Copa America 2015. Copa America 2016. 2014, he lost to Germany in the final. 2015, it was to Chile. 2016, to Chile again. That's when he missed that uh, in the penalty shootout. And that ball went straight up in the air to how he was looking like he was kicking a field goal. That's the one where he cried because he was like, this is my third straight final defeat, bro. All failures, all right? He has been tortured, and now he finally won. Right. He's thinking of all of this. I think when he is thinking of all of this in his head, which is like passing by quick. I mean, passing him to him slowly, but it's actually passing by quick. He's thinking of all of this in his head, bro. His teammates are running to their captain. What does that show me? That shows me the respect that they have for him. It's enormous. It's enormous respect for their captain because bro, whistle blows. Okay, Messi and Messi's there on his knees by himself. The whole squad, you know, like you'll see in other finals, like oh, they, you know, they celebrate with their guy that's right next to them, or they're running around, and the bench comes. This one, everybody, the bench, all the players on the field, just go straight to Messi and dogpile him, bro. Like, it just shows me the enormous respect that they have for him. And the general happiness that they feel for him. That he's finally won his first trophy for Argentina. And then it was also Neymar who went and hugged him to congratulate him. Y'all already know, not a big fan of Neymar. Sometimes I do be criticizing him. But this time I have no criticizing. No criticism for Neymar. Right? He congratulated his friend while he was hurt about the loss and he's never actually won like something big with a brazil too except for like the olympics i think 
Sports and all the confederations. I think he actually won the confederations, come, but like Copa America, World Cup, like stuff like that. Like he has not won. So it also feels pretty bad for me. You know, people would criticize him for saying, oh, look, he's he's happier about Messi winning than he is sad about losing. Like, no, I seen when the game ended, he started crying. He was like, oh, we lost. And then he went to go congratulate Messi. So no criticism for him. He's just doing what a good friend should do, all right? Good sportsmanship. But thoughts on the tournament? It was average. Not a fan. Of how they did the group stage, it was like Zona Norte, Zona Sur, Zona Norte. Like it's just, I don't know, not, not well designed in my opinion. Not a lot of countries in the Sur de America, so it was a huge disappointment for me. I mean, not a huge disappointment for me, but it was just like I don't know, like, I I don't like the idea. But a huge disappointment for me was Uruguay. Okay, they have a squad. And they play well under Oscar Tavares, but they're just not clinical in this tournament. Okay, and they haven't done that for the past two Colmenics. In Colmenica 2019, I said they were going to win, and they don't, They did the same thing. Okay, they're just not clinical. And that's what made them lose versus Colombia in uh, the one of the playoffs games, right? This, this is a Colombia who doesn't have Hamas, okay? And something's got to get fixed. Because, I don't know, Suarez and Cavani are older, but they can still finish. I think Tavares, you know, he relied too much on crossing when he didn't really need to specifically. Uh, especially versus uh, Colombia with Yeti Mina in the center. Dude's like a tree, okay? He's tall. He's pretty bu- pretty bulk. Like what he- And he's out here throwing centers. They're out here centering the ball crosses. Like, oh, that's... I don't know. Right? That's why Uruguay just pissing me off. Because they have a great squad. And they can't progress that much. And they ugh, and they have such a great squad. They got the two strikers, like I said. You got Fede Valverde in midfield. Bentancor is pretty good. And defense, you got Godin, Jose Maria Jimenez. These are great players, bro. Oh, Nathan. Nathan Ares. Hafu's good, too. Fernando, goalkeeper. Musalera, he's good. He's a great squad, and I think they could challenge Brazil and Argentina. They could beat them. But they just, I don't know, they just begin in their own way sometimes, and it's just very frustrating. Very frustrating. They could have done better. But, you know, it's Copa America. It was cool. I didn't watch all the games. Watched watched, you know, just the games where I find very interesting. And that's all it was, you know. Because sometimes you would think that Copa America would be just a downgrade of Euro, but in some games like that uh, Uruguay-Colombia game, even though 0-0, they all, both teams had great chances. They just missed them from good goalkeeper play or sometimes they would just miss. But it was great quality on the pitch. Passes everywhere. You can see little tunnels, little back passes. They're taking risks. While some games in the Euro over here like England, they don't want to risk anything and they just stay home the ball. So... You know, that's why I, I sometimes I have my criticism for Euro, but there's a lot of misjudged criticism for Copa America because they're like, oh, the games are not as good. And that's true in, in some aspect with some games. But that game, no, that game showed you that's real. That's real um, uh, Sur de America football, right? Football de America. So that's, that's the real one. That's the true one. The verdadero. When they play like that, 
they're risking the game, especially the Brazilians. You know, they be out here risking and doing lobs and rainbows and chips and over the heads and this and and cross. I'm gonna say crossovers and step overs and roll over the ball and to here with my leg on my front. Like it's it's just great football, and I think sometimes you gotta watch the Copa Mani games to know what I'm talking about. Like it's they got great quality, great quality. So. But yeah, guys. That was my finishing. That's my thoughts on both tournaments. Could have been better. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, it was good. It was good. It was good, you know. For the summer, always want to watch football in the summer. Dude. That's when football is at its best. You know, we wait for the 2022 World Cup. You know, I'm waiting for that. See how Mexico does in that Copa. I don't expect them to win. But let's see how it goes. See y'all. Anyway.